Welcome back to another episode of What the Forensics. I'm Nicole. I'll be the MC today, and I am joined here again by the lovely Rebecca and Journey. We just want to quickly apologize, too, for the little bit of a delay in episodes. We all have jobs now. <laughs> Who would have thought? So that's been taking up a bit of our lives, but hopefully we can get on a three-week schedule and get some more out to you. But anyways, this week, Journey is going to tell us all about the case of the lethal lovers, Kathy Wood and Gwen Graham, and Rebecca will be educating us on the intricacies of female serial killers and why are they, excuse me, and why they are so uncommon. I would also like to note that there's a listener's discretion advised as there are detailed descriptions of murder and brief descriptions of infant abuse. And on that note, I would like to pass it off to Journey if you want to tell us a little bit about these lethal lovers. All right, yeah. So I'm going to introduce you to Gwen Graham and Kathy Wood, who they are, what they did, where they are now, and then I have some just extra fun information about their case. So Gwendolyn Graham, or Gwen, was born on August 6th, 1963 in California, And even though she was born in California, she grew up in Texas and then moved to Michigan in 1986 when she was 23. So with that move, she was able to start work as a nurse's aide at Alpine Manor Nursing Home in Grand Rapids, Michigan, where Kathy Wood also worked. And Catherine May Wood, or Kathy, was born in 1962. She got married super young, and then when she was 24, her seven-year marriage was dissolving, and she gained a lot of weight, eventually reaching a weight of 450 pounds when Graham started working with her, so she was not a small lady. Um, apparently, it's also very important that we mention her weight because every single source I read mentioned it, and it seemed rather important, even though they were kind of using it to make her seem more vulnerable and desperate for friends and love, which I don't really like, but that's what they had. And so Wood was hired at Alpine Manor in July of 1985, and she was soon promoted to supervisor. And she didn't have a lot of friends, but quickly became friends and then lovers with Graham in 1986. And so in their relationship, they commonly practice erotic asphyxiation to achieve better orgasms. And then Graham began to talk about committing murder as part of their sex life. Um, Oh, yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> right? It's just a natural segue. Um, yeah. Wood didn't really believe her and kind of thought that Graham wasn't being serious, even though the whole aspect of pleasure and pain was very common in their sex lives. Um, so Wood was submissive to Graham, who was more dominant and sexually experimentative, which was not surprising, as we will soon learn with their crimes, which leads me into what they did. So they were nurses at Alpine Manor Nursing Home in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and that is where they met and Wood was Graham's supervisor. So at the start of their crimes, Wood was lookout and Graham had attempted to kill some women, but the women were strong enough to fight back, so she was unsuccessful in killing them. I'm not sure how many they had attempted to kill first. 
Um, but either way, uh, the women didn't actually file any complaints against Graham or Wood, even though she had quite literally tried to kill them. And Graham and Wood received glowing reviews from their superiors, and they were all very well, or they were both very well liked by all the patients. Except the few that were attempted to be killed. No, including the few. They didn't ever file any what? complaints. Yeah. But wouldn't they still not, like, they wouldn't put a glowing review in for them, would they? You would think, you think? not. But they didn't have hmm. any complaints. Nobody said anything bad about them. What? Yeah. Hmm. Which is just surprising. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. So in January 1987, they killed their first victim who had Alzheimer's and was too incapacitated to fight back, which is super sad. Um, and the reason that her death, her death was never investigated, my bad, was because the death appeared to be natural. Um, so in what way natural? Like they just like said heart attack or kind of old age, but not being old. Just there was no evidence of suffocation, so they were just she passed away. Oh, hmm. couldn't there be other ways of dying of not suffocation? Yeah, there was no, <laughs> you there was I mean? no like, evidence on any of the people. None of the bodies were ever investigated because they all thought they were natural. That's a good start. I'm really liking how this is starting. Okay, yeah. carry on. <laughs> yeah, so like I said, Wood would stand at a place where she could watch the murder and the nurse's station so that she can distract co-workers who came too close to the room. And so then Graham would then press a washcloth across the nose and mouth of her victim until they died. So that's how she would kill them. And because they were so old and basically on the brink of death, they were never investigated because it was thought to be natural. That's very sad. Very sad, yeah. Um, and then they would make love after to kind of relive the excitement <laughs> of killing. Oh my god. And, okay, even grosser, they would then make love while they washed the body to prepare it for burial. What? Which just makes Please me tell feel me they all didn't... kind of gross. Please tell me they like didn't that. do anything with the dead body. Not that I'm like, aware of. Okay. No, it was just the excitement of the murder that got them off. Oh, Ew. my lord. Yeah, so... Ugh, gross. Uh, <laughs> so, that was January. Um, by April 1987, they had killed four more individuals who ate, whose ages range from 65 to 97. And, Aww. yeah... All four of these individuals also had Alzheimer's and were too incapacitated to fight back like their first victim. Um, so Graham actually picked the weaker women because of her mistakes with their first intended victims who were too strong and fought back. And interestingly, they chose their victims um, to spell the word murder with their last name's initials as their way of making it a game. Uh but, As one does, because that's normal. Yeah, right? Um, but they actually got rid of that plan after Graham failed to kill their first couple victims. Um, so then it was just purely sexual. And so Graham would also... So they got lazy really fast. <laughs> yeah, really fast, right? Uh, so Graham would take souvenirs from their victims so that she could relive their deaths and 
both women actually bragged about smothering like six people to their coworkers, but no one believed them. Oh my god. I f- I feel like your first response to someone telling you, "Hey, I just I killed six people." You wouldn't be like, oh, "No, you didn't. You're so silly." You'd be like, "I'm concerned. I'm going to maybe tell someone just in case." Yeah, right. Yeah, You'd especially... be like, "Oh, that patient just died." And you just told me you yeah. murdered them. So like, yeah, like, I wonder, did they brag, like, with specific names? Or they're like, hey, I smothered someone today. You don't know who, but I did. <laughs> I have no idea. But, like, all of their coworkers were just like, hey, those are kind of, like, tasteless jokes. They they just pass them off as jokes. Oh, oh, my God. And I was like, you shouldn't joke about that. No. Yeah, and Graham actually showed them her souvenirs. Which were like anklets, handkerchiefs, brooches, and a set of dentures. Oh. And they thought nothing of it. They weren't like, they, okay. Yeah, she All had right. them on a shelf in her home, I believe. And when her coworkers <laughs> would come over, she'd be like, look at my souvenirs that I got from killing people. Maybe these women also need to be investigated. My God. Yeah, right? I was like, ooh. This and is the- like your box of sheep bones in your house. <laughs> yeah, you're just but like, that- hey, look at my sheep bones. But <laughs> instead, it's murdered people's belongings. <laughs> yeah, look at my set of dentures from so and so who I murdered last week. I don't get it. I don't how. I don't know how none of their alarm bells were like, hey, this is sketchy business. But they just never thought twice about it. What year did this happen again? Like what decade? Nineteen eighty-seven. Okay, see, if it was a little earlier, I'd be like, eh, it's the 70s. It's the 60s. But, you know, (laughs) can't really pass it off at that time. (laughs) Nope. Yeah. um, So that was kind of like the end of their crimes or whatever. It's short and sweet in a four-month span. And so they broke up when Graham asked Wood to kill someone to prove her love, but she wouldn't do it. Um, I don't blame her. I know. I was like, yeah, good on you. Um, Wood was then transferred to another shift, and Graham ended up moving to Texas with another woman and got a job looking after babies. No. Oh, good. Yeah, big good. yikes. So. Awesome. Oh, I was popping my knuckles. Um, <laughs> in 1987, Wood broke down after Graham left and told her ex-husband about the killings and then he told the police in October 1988. So he waited just over a year to tell the police. And it's thought that Wood confessed because she was afraid for the children who Graham was taking care of in her new job. And during the trial, she is quoted saying, When she was killing people at Alpine and I didn't do anything, that was bad enough. But when she would call me and say how she wanted to smash a baby, I had to stop her somehow. I knew she was working in a hospital there. She said she wanted to take one of the babies and smash it up against a window. I had to do something. I didn't care about myself anymore. End quote. Oh my god. No. That's... Huh. Yeah. I just don't know how to react to that. I don't... <laughs> I don't know what to say. I just hear something with my mouth open. What? Yeah. It's so grimy. I don't like it. But at least she did eventually come forward. 
And so when her ex-husband went to the police, they were obviously skeptical of his stories because 40 people had died at Alpine Manor during the months that they were active in 1987. However, once they like investigated, eight individuals stood out to the police. And so the police then narrowed it down to five who were 60-year-old Marguerite Chambers, 89-year-old Edith Cole, 95-year-old Myrtle Luce, 79-year-old May Mason, and 74-year-old Belle Burkhard. Um, so obviously their last names do not spell murder. Um, <laughs> and there was no evidence of murder on any of those victims, but with Wood's ex-husband's statement and some statements of their co-workers, who after like her ex-husband had gone to the police were like, oh yeah, they used to tell us stories about them killing people and then would show us their souvenirs. So then they also came forward. And, and the police were like, wait, and you didn't tell us? Yeah, right? Um, so there was enough evidence to make a case with all of those statements. And then in December of 1989, so like a full year after he came forward, uh, Graham was arrested in Texas and claimed that what she told her co-workers were just jokes to scare them, which is still super weird and not okay. Yeah, you don't really joke about that. No. 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 You really shouldn't. Not I... with your co-workers. Like, at, even if you were to joke about it, not with co-workers at uh -uh. a nursing home. That's just weird. I don't get it. So, the police charged her with six counts of murder. And... Wood pled guilty to second-degree murder, which saved her from a life sentence and was instead given 20 to 40 years. She also took the stand as the star witness against Graham and said that she was only the lookout and it was Graham who planned and carried out the killings. She also said that on top of their five victims, Graham had attempted to kill five more people who survived. And then, on November 2nd, 1989... Graham was found guilty of five counts of murder and one count of conspiracy to commit murder, and she was given five or six life sentences with no possibility of parole. There was some disagreement between sources of how many life sentences she got, um, but her sentence is being carried out at Women's Huron Valley Correctional Facility in Michigan. She is still there today, which is good. And then Wood was charged with one count of second-degree murder and one count of conspiracy to commit second-degree murder. And she was sentenced to 20 years on each count and has been eligible for parole since March 2005, but was denied parole for eight times. And she served her sentence at the Federal Correctional Institution in Florida and was released on January, oh. er, in January 2020 on her ninth parole hearing with her parole period ending in June 2021. So, no. Yeah, she's just free in the world right now. No. Yeah, I've heard a lot of things that have actually said that she was the mastermind of it all, and now that she's out, like, she might do it again. I know well, they're just yeah. theories, but my god. Yeah, that, I have that in my extra information. Okay, yeah, I was going to ask if it was kind of like a Paul Bernardo and Carla Homoka thing, where, like, C Carla took that deal mm -hmm. and said that Bernardo did most of it, but after she got the immunity, it came out that she was a huge part of it. But she's out now, too, which yeah. is insane to me. Yeah, and the only, like, really proof they have is their stories. They don't know 
how much of a part she actually played. Um, but yeah, she's living in South Carolina with her sister, and everyone in their community is so afraid, like Rebecca said, because they think it's going to start all over again. Um, so now for just some extra information, that was all I had for them. Um, Alpine Manor was sued by several families for hiring, quote, dangerous and unbalanced employees, unquote, which is totally fair. Um, it has now gone out of business, but has turned into a nursing home called Sanctuary at St. Mary's, which I thought was funny because we all went or go to St. Mary's University. Good, good, good. Yeah. yeah. And so another piece of information that I found was season six of American Horror Story Roanoke actually corresponds with the crimes of Wood and Graham. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was really interesting. <laughs> yeah. And so, like, I've never seen it, so I can't really verify it, but I've included my sources if you want to fact check me, and I kind of want to watch it. And their case is the basis of the 1992 true crime novel Forever in Five Days by Lowell Caulfield. And in his book, he suggests that Wood was the mastermind of the crimes and actually killed the people. And even a retired investigator believes that she was the mastermind. Which is crazy. And she's out. And she's out. This is wonderful. Yeah, so let's hope that she wasn't. If people just start randomly dying at homes now, senior centers and infant places, we'll blame her. But the thing is, who's everyone knows her past. No one's going to hire her. So is she just going to kill people off the street? Maybe she'll find another woman and get with them and be like, hey... I like killing people. Let's kill people. And then they'll find a way to kill people together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ah, I'm really intrigued because now she's totally free. No one's watching her, really. I'm shocked she's not under surveillance of any type. Yeah, because the rules were like she can't um, be around. I thought I had it written down here. Usually, like, if she's released on probation, she has a whole bunch of rules she has to follow. Like, she has to be home by a certain time. She can't go here, here, here. But yeah. once her probation's up, like, no one's watching her. She doesn't have any rules to follow. She's just out. Yeah, and she, as of last month, she is out. Great. Yeah. Good. Yeah, and so my last little fun information is that in 2013... Apparently, Wood had posted an online dating profile on cowtowninfo.com to meet someone new, but inmates were not allowed to do that, so it was taken down. And <laughs> I find that hilarious because I feel like I think Calgary's also called Cowtown. And so I was just. Cowtowninfo like, is jailhousebabes.com. They're also the same thing. Okay, oh yeah. my god. They're female inmates seeking pen pals, a.k.a. jailhouse babes. Okay. Yeah, so oh when God. she did this, inmates aren't allowed to have dating profiles with that specific um, website or something. And so her profile actually said, um, 6'2", 280 pounds, 44, 38, 48. I don't know what those numbers mean. Quote, teach me. I've been incarcerated for two decades. I go to the parole board soon, and I need someone who's kind and patient to teach me about the exciting new things in the world. I'm looking for a friend, male or female, to teach me everything I forgot. Are you honest? I am honest and non-judgmental. We can talk about anything and everything. 
I've never done drugs and I don't smoke. I like to play and have fun. Do you have time for a good friend? End quote. Yeah, you've never done drugs and don't smoke, but you've also murdered six people. So I feel like that should be mentioned somewhere. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it's not even just people. It's defenseless elders with Alzheimer's. Like, that's so cruel. Yeah. You can't. No. So, yeah, if anyone's uh, looking for an honest and non-judgmental friend who's never done drugs and doesn't smoke, uh, this is your girl. I love I mean, that it's like, like, are you honest? I'm honest. Does that mean, like, you're just going to spill your whole life story as soon as you meet someone? Like, over coffee, be like, oh, what What do you do in life? I feel oh, like a mechanic. And she's going to be like, oh, I'm a serial killer. Yep. <laughs> Maybe we should let her date. Maybe the whole story will come out. And then we'll oh. have more against her. Ooh, Ooh. good thinking. Who's going who's gonna to sacrifice yourself for that? Which one of us? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just catfisher. Actually, I would not want to catfish her in case I became her next victim. That's fair. I feel like that would be a lot of work for her to come up to Canada, though. That's true. That's true. And the border's still closed right now, so maybe now's the time to do it. Exactly. I guess we don't have much spare time to do this, but we should. (laughs) We'll look into it. (laughs) Excellent. But yeah, that is all I have for Graham. And, oh, Gwen Graham and Kathy Wood, the lethal lovers. Well, thank you for that. I love when we do this, especially when I MC, because I never know any of these stories. So it's quite nice getting the uh, firsthand experience right while we film. Yeah. Um, but yes, thank you for that. I will hand it over to Rebecca now. She's going to kind of tell us about female serial killers, why they're a bit obsolete, why they aren't really caught, and I'll let you take the stage now. Yeah, so I kind of took a little bit of a different spin on it than that because there's uh, it, they're kind of it's more recent that people are really interested in female serial killers. There is more on them, but I find it's been relatively biased for a while for people just saying like, women can't do that. Women, yeah. just, they're too moral for that. Um, That's but not I have the a lot case. of statistics. <laughs> They're just smarter. We're just smarter, and we can get away with it a bit more, I say. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I want to preface this by just giving... I know, I think we've given definitions before, uh, but just for anyone who might be new, we just... I just wanted to start off with a couple broad definitions of what a serial killer is, uh, for those who aren't exactly sure how a serial killer is different from a regular killer or a mass murderer... Um, so according to the FBI, serial murder is the unlawful killing of two or more victims by the same offender, but during separate events. So during, uh, in serial murder, there's often a cooling off, uh, time. So it wouldn't be like four victims in one or two hours. Um, this is different from a mass murder, which is pretty much exactly that it would it's an unlawful killing of four or more people by an offender during a single event so this would be an example of like a school shooting um so for the purpose of the discussion i'm i am going to be discussing female serial killers but some of the research into female serial killers uh involves killers that have only murdered one or two victims as well just because 
there isn't as many female killers as there is, so a lot of the research is kind of intertwined. But, with that being said, let's get into it. (laughs) So, as we all know, male serial killers have been very studied and very known for a long time. We have countless TV shows about them and movies, and we hear about them every day. (laughs) Yeah. However, the first at least that I've been able to find, the first published article that was written about female serial killers and whether or not they exist in their prevalence and all this was only published in 1985. Oh. And yeah, it was written by a man named Eric Hickey. And in this paper, uh, basically just to give it a short summary, he concluded that women were incapable of the depravity and immorality that it takes to commit serial murder. Nice. <laughs> so women are just too nice and too kind, and we just we just love everyone so much that we can't do it. We just would never. We could never do it. No. 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 <laughs> Not saying we're all just going to go out and murder people, but <laughs> we just, woman would never. But we're also not just sugar and spice. <laughs> <laughs> we are murder and knives. <laughs> so in response to him discussing his research, um, as well as a case about an unidentified person who'd poisoned eight people over two years, uh, Eric Hickey brought his research in this discussion to a conference with the FBI. Um, and he was discussing this with some of the other profiles that profilers that were there. And... One of the profilers, he's pretty notable, his name was Roy Hazelwood, and he was very well known in the FBI. Uh, Apparently, in response to this conversation about female serial killers, all he said was, quote, there are no female serial killers, unquote. There are none. They don't exist. Okay. How many serial murders do you think women got away with before they started identifying female serial killers? Right. Oh, I'd also like to mention that comment was made in 1998. Oh, okay. Even better. I mean, they probably have been getting away with it for a while, considering the first article was in 1985. In the years that had followed Hickey's initial article um, and this conference that they were saying that female serial killers didn't exist, um, Hickey continued to do his research into this because I think after learning more about this case of an unknown killer that poisoned eight people over a couple years, he started to kind of reassess the knowledge he had about the different uh, serial killers and their sexes. Um, So after a lot more research, he has since changed his opinion, and now he agrees that women can indeed be serial killers, so we're seeing some progress. Um, But this is just an example of how recently people have been in disbelief that an entire sex could commit such heinous crimes. Like they were completely ignoring half the population just because they, in a simplified way, just didn't think we were equal. (laughs) I think it follows that narrative too, that men are aggressive and females are the victims kind of thing. You always hear of the female victims and the male offenders and at the time you never heard of the female offenders and the male victims. Yeah. I completely agree. I think that's exactly what the narrative was following. So with that knowledge of when the research around uh, female serial killers existing, I just wanted to get into statistics of how many there actually are. 
So, uh, Radford University and Florida Gulf Coast University put together a pretty extensive database of serial killers and related statistics from the past hundred years or so. Um, and their data states that from the 1900s, uh, the decade to the 2010s, about 11.4% of serial killers have been women internationally. So about one in 10 serial killers, that would be, uh, I mean, I guess 1.1, but (laughs) you can't cut humans like that and make them count. So about one in 10 serial killers have been women in the past hundred years. And that doesn't sound like a lot, but given how many serial killers there has been, I mean, I think in the 70s or 80s alone, there was over 700. Oh my. Yeah. It's a lot that have probably gone unnoticed or gotten away just because we thought they were men. So about 70 of those 700 would be women. Is that correct? Yes. That's one in 10. Okay. Yes. So just for comparison, um, about 11.4% of serial killers were women. Um, And in the same time, about 51.4% of known victims of serial killers were women. Oh. Oh. So women, it's about 50-50 for men and women being the victims, but there's a very, very slight majority for the women, unfortunately, being the victims of serial crime. This is so strange to me, too, because the research that I'm doing right now, it's like looking at killers and victims in pop culture, and men are always portrayed as serial killers. Like, there's no light shown on the female killers, and all of the victims are portrayed as beautiful, attractive, thin, white females. Like, you don't hear of all of these male victims, and if you do hear of male victims, they're usually homosexual men. And that's what causes them to be a victim. Yeah, yeah. It, there is still, like, even though we're learning more in the scientific community about it, there's still terrible misrepresentation about what the victim and killer populations actually are in media even today. Yeah. Yeah, so um, now we know that there are female serial killers, uh, and there are less of them than men, but they do still exist. Um, we know that they arguably could have gone more unnoticed or uncaught than the men. Uh, This is especially based on the average profile that was made of killers during investigations. Um, So from the same database I mentioned earlier from Radford University and Florida Gulf Coast, um, based on um, criminal profiles that investigators have made between the years 1990 and 2016, they found that 93.5% of those profiles stated that their suspect was male. Wowzers. I'm shocked there's almost that 7%, though, that was female. Like, it was probably the poisoning cases where they, like, wasn't by force. They were like, hmm, maybe this was a woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was pretty shocked to read that number, though. Like, I was like, wow, they hardly still consider the fact that the other sex can do this <laughs> yeah well, with that profile too they're just completely taking out like you said rebecca 50 percent of the possibilities essentially mm-hmm. like they're not yeah. even thinking of other options they're narrowing down their search yeah it's wild <laughs> so just moving on from their frequencies uh i wanted to talk briefly about how their methods may differ from men because uh they are different 
<laughs> so men very frequently, again, as we've seen in pop culture, but also real life, use pretty overt and often violent methods of uh, murder. And these would include like stabbings and shootings, uh, but also things such as asphyxiation or choking. Um, but women serial killers frequently opt out for more uh, covert methods, so ones that will go less detected or aren't as violent. Um, one of the most popular methods of murder among women was poisoning. One source that I read said it was in about 50% of cases they looked at, the, the female serial killer's preferred method was poisoning, but I've only found that on one source, and it was like a blog type website so i'm kind of taking it with a grain of salt but every other source i've read said one of the most popular was poisoning uh but others that were quite frequent included smothering like we saw with the lethal lovers um but also drowning and less frequently but still there was stabbing similar to men so i guess women if they do get violent uh like the male counterparts stabbing was one of the preferred methods isn't it said that um, stabbing is usually, like, one of the spur-of-the-moment anger methods? Like, if something just snaps and they're like, oh, there's a knife beside me, that's how I'm going to kill this person. I think so. Because I think something like poisoning would take more uh, planning because you need to know what to poison someone with and you need to know how you're going to do it without them noticing. Uh, so I, I'm not positive. I can't speak with certainty that stabbing is a spur-of-the-moment thing, but I... That would make sense. <laughs> I find it very intriguing that even when women uh, want to kill someone, they choose a very passive method. Yep. Yeah, yeah it's very interesting. So, like, I'm not going to be violent even when I literally want to kill you. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we just realize that we're slightly more likely to get away with it if it looks more like an accident. <laughs> It's definitely a smarter method, yes. They're just not worth extra time, honestly. Exactly. Just do what you can. Don't put more into it. <laughs> We're more efficient. Yeah. <laughs> so, similar to the fact that the method of murder is different uh, than men, women's motives for uh, murder is also frequently different from men. So, even though we can have the same motives for murder than men, um, it's more common that um, the motives are not sexual pleasure and control-based like men. So mo one of the most frequent motives for women uh, is actually money and financial gain. Uh, so I think I learned, that, I learned that in grade 10, shockingly. Really? That's in my introduction to anthropology, sociology, and psychology, that was like the one thing I remember about female killers. They were that like would be money. such a fun class in high school. I had nothing like that. Me neither. Yeah. It was really cool. Anyways, continue. <laughs> yeah, so in a study I read by Harrison Hughes and Gott in 2019, they compared the crimes, patterns, and motives of female and male serial killers, <laughs> and they had found that while just 16.7% of male serial killers' uh, primary motive was financial gain, it was the primary motive for women at 51.9% of female serial, serial killers committing their murders for that purpose oh wow yeah and in contrast uh just to give some uh it, what's the word just to give some insight into the sexual motives of it all um the primary motive um for males 
in 75% of cases was uh, sexual pleasure and control. Uh, but in women, that was only 7.9%. Oh my goodness. Wow. Would um, Graham and well, like the Lethal Lovers case, yeah, be considered a sexual pleasure kind of case? That was exactly my question. <laughs> exactly my question. <laughs> I... I think in a way they would fall into a couple categories. I mean, I guess typologies are different than motives. So in terms of motive, then yes, I think I personally think they would fall into the category of sexual pleasure. Um, But I think in terms of the typology of the killers, which I'm going to get into in a second, they would actually fall into a couple, which I thought was a little bizarre because usually they seem like they'd be a little pretty cut and dry. Yeah. I think because like, after each of their crimes, they gained sexual pleasure out of it with each other. Like, I think you could see that as a motive. Um, but yeah. they're also, like, it could have also turned that they started to kill because it aroused them. And so that's why they did it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think that's definitely a very real possibility. Um, so just before I get into the typologies, I just wanted to say one more uh statistic, uh, which was about the difference in judicial punishment and specifically death penalty. Um, So in the same study that I had just mentioned, uh, it was reported that um, for serial killers receiving the death penalty, approximately just 23.6% of female serial killers did. And this is in contrast to uh, male serial killers who 54.5% of them received the death penalty. So women definitely are viewed in a light in a better light less people don't judge them as harshly which i don't understand because i think serial a serial killer is a serial killer and you should be judged equally but (laughs) do you think it's because of these differences in methods like if a man was to be more aggressive and brutalize his victim more than a female serial killer the jury and judge is more likely to like they'll be more influenced by that and hearing that it's like I know emotion's not supposed to sway your opinion in the courtroom but I feel like it would have some component to it if you're comparing brutally beaten to death or poisoned and died in sleep I think that's a really real possibility I didn't look much more into the reasons uh, for why the death penalty sentence was so different between them, but I definitely think that one of the reasons is the vast difference in method used, because like you said, emotion shouldn't get involved in the judicial system, but jurors are humans too, and they're going to be swayed by their own biases. Yeah, I agree. So the last thing that I wanted to discuss on this topic was the typology of female serial killers. Um, Various different researchers have created their own typologies, uh, so I have found a couple. I'm going to discuss the one created by Keller and Keller. Um, Not necessarily because it's maybe not the most accurate or most widely used i believe the fbi uses a different one uh but this is one that like when you're watching crime shows and you're hearing about uh female serial killers in the media like they often use a couple of these terms to describe them and i just thought it would be interesting to hear what exactly they mean when they're discussing 
a black widow or an angel of death. <laughs> so Keller and Keller identified nine typologies of female serial killers. And those are the black widow, the angel of death, the sexual predator, uh, the revenge, the for-profit or crime killer, the team killers, the question of sanity, the unexplained, and finally the unsolved. So I'm just going to give a brief summary of each of those. Um, a black widow is a woman who murders her romantic partners, uh, and it's, it's usually for their money. So typically this woman would start in their mid-20s and they'll get married, uh, probably get signed as a beneficiary of an insurance policy, and then uh, kill their partner. And it was usually through a covert method that we discussed earlier, like poisoning or smothering to look like an accident. And then they would receive the insurance money, lay low for a bit act like a grieving widow, uh, but then they would remarry and then do it all over again. And often these people got away for quite some time before people started to realize that every one of their husbands are mysteriously dying <laughs> and they start to get questioned. Sorry to interrupt, but do you remember it was a couple months ago in Nova Scotia, there was a woman that was released in her 80s and yes. she was deemed as a dangerous offender. And I she do was remember. one of these, yeah, she was one of these black widows, I guess, because she just kept killing her husbands and it didn't come out until she was super old. <laughs> I was just going to ask about that. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy that there was one so close to us that was released. Right. <laughs> At yeah. least we know we're safe, though. Yeah. <laughs> All true, the old true. men need to keep their eyes open, though. <laughs> so the second one mentioned was an angel of death. Uh, and the angel of death is one of the typologies that I believe the lethal lovers would be. Uh, these, This is when a woman, or in this case, women... Um, are a caretaker of some sort. So they could be a nurse or they could just be a personal uh, care assistant. Um, and they attack the people who are in their care. So one of the most common methods for this murder uh, for angels of death includes injecting lethal amounts of drugs or chemicals that are found in the place of care that might go undetected or be out of their system faster than they can do an autopsy, including potassium or insulin. Um, or like the le lethal level... Blah, blah, my goodness. Or... <laughs> Like the lethal lovers, that's a little bit of a tongue twister to me, um, <laughs> they'll suffocate their victims. But most often, angels of death um, will act in hospitals or nursing homes or anywhere that there are vulnerable patients that need looking after. And unfortunately, like we heard with the lethal lovers, the murderer is often someone that is pretty highly regarded. No one, do no one has anything negative to say about them. They trust them. They're, they think they're in good care, but then they're murdered do you think under this angel of death it can then split again into two whereas there's people who use the disguise basically as a caretaker just to kill people and then there's also the ones that do think that they're taking them out of their misery they take they're helping older people move on with life if that makes sense yeah i didn't read anything about that but I definitely think that's a possibility. Like, I don't know if they would type those differently, um, but I know that there definitely have been killers that kill people because they're like, oh, I thought I was helping them. Yeah. They seemed unhappy. So it, I think it's a possibility. Um, the third typology that I had mentioned, and the other one that I think is a possibility that um, the lethal lovers could be, um, is sexual predators. 
Um, and I'm not going extensively into this because with female serial killers, a sexual predator is quite rare, uh, but they pretty much share all of the associated characteristics with a, sex- a male sexual predator. Um, so I'm a little unsure whether or not um, Kathy and Gwen would fall into this just because I know sexual predators often act out their sexual fantasies on the victim, uh, but I don't know if maybe voyeurism or killing to get off with your partner is part of that. I'm not positive, but it's a possibility. Uh, The next one are revenge killers, and this sounds pretty self-explanatory. These are women who um, are seeking revenge on someone, and they kill them. They think this is good revenge. Um, I'm unsure of why serial murderers feel like they need revenge on multiple people. Like, how many people have wronged you? Um, But their victims are usually family members, uh, so they don't often do it with just friends or people they walk down the street. It's usually um, a member of their family, and more than you'd expect, also a child in their family. And usually this is done by suffocation or poisoning, and the crime spree for these killers will often only last around two years or so before they're caught. The next one was for profit or crime, and this is pretty similar to a Black Widow because it's for financial gain, Uh, but in this case they target people who aren't their spouse or family. These serial killers are very organized and patient, and their crimes are well planned. I am interested in this one because I don't know how you would financially gain from someone you're not related to or married to. Yeah. Could it be through a business of some sort? Oh, I like didn't think your like employer, that. or like if you're the next in line to become whatever high up. Like that's the only thing I could think of. Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't think about that, but I can see that as happening. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, like I was thinking about it during business my- partners. Yeah, because I was thinking about it during my research, and I was like, if you just kill someone walking down the street, how are you going to make money off of that? (laughs) Unless you, like, steal their identity. Yeah. (laughs) Would they fit that category? Because technically they are serial killers. And they are for profit. They do make a profit killing people. And they don't kill their own friends and family. Usually. I think this is something we need to look into. Are female hitmen for profit... (laughs) Serial killers. Do you think there's a lot of intrigued? Yeah, I follow up question. How many female hitmen are there? Right. You only hear of the male hitmen in movies. What about the female hitmen? (laughs) Isn't that who Black Widow is? To just like the new movie, basically the new Marvel movie. Yeah, it wasn't. I don't recommend it. Oh, don't spoil it for me. I want to watch it real bad. Isn't she, doesn't she start off as, like, a female assassin? Yeah, so, like, her backstory, basically, is she's, like, taken and turned into a fighter, basically. Oh, okay. Kind of like that Red Sparrow movie with Jennifer Lawrence a hundred years ago. I've never seen that one, but... Sure. I think that's the same I think it is similar to that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so the next category is Team Killers. Uh, There are other names for this in other typologies, but they break them down even further. And unfortunately, right now, I don't have that information on hand. 
Um, but team killers are women who murder with a partner or multiple people. Uh, so this could be a romantic partner, but it doesn't need to be. And uh, the partner could be male or female. Um, however, in these situations, the specific motive for the crime can vary significantly because it's a mix mash of all the people that are committing this murder. So it's not just a woman doing it for financial gain. It might be her doing it for that, but the male doing it for sexual gratification. Uh, so it could vary. Uh, but often in these situations, uh, when the partner's a male, the crimes they commit are more often sexual homicides than they are uh, overt or just because they're doing it. Uh, so I think about Paul and Carla Homolka in this case. They're all sexual homicides. Um, and similarly, thinking about them, uh, women, when they are a partner to a male in these team killing, uh, duos are often seen as the passive partner in crime. So the one that's kind of like, they're for it because their partner's there and they want to support them. But often it does come out that they had more of an involvement than we thought they did. Yes. Which could easily happen with Kathy Wood and Gwen Graham. Absolutely. Do you think there's like book club team killers like it's just a group of women that each have their own financial gain and they're like let's just go kill people and then we'll have a book club after <laughs> like that's what i imagine with team killers <laughs> i would watch a movie about that me too <laughs> we should Isn't make that a spin the movie women who kill isn't that kind of the same i've never seen it i know there's a book called women who kill i only saw a tiktok about it but that was kind TikTok. of the premise that I got. So uh, not very reliable source. I'll maybe do some <laughs> research and get back to you. Okay. I mean, I learn everything off TikTok now. So honestly, <laughs> you never know. Yeah. So the final three typologies, um, they're, they can also be applied to men. Uh, they're all pretty dual sex. Um the third to last is question of sanity. And this one uh, is basically people who murder, uh, but there's a judgment in their culpability. So they might not have been mentally fit or they could have been going through a like psychotic episode or they might have been mentally ill. Um, they could have been sleepwalking. I've heard stories where people sleepwalking have killed. Uh, but basically they're just cases that their mental state needs to be thoroughly evaluated to determine whether or not they were actually culpable for the murder when they were committing it. Uh, the next one is unexplained murders. And these are basically all of the female serial killers that don't fit into all of the prior typologies. These are ones that either... Uh, we don't know the reasons they committed their crimes or they just did it for reasons that aren't general enough uh, that we haven't been able to make a specific typology just for them. And the final one is unsolved, which also sounds pretty self-explanatory. Uh, unsolved cases are just cases of serial murder that we don't know who the killer is, but we suspect that it is a serial killer committing these crimes and the investigators are fairly confident that the perpetrator is a woman based on uh, just the patterns and the motives and the types of victims. So that's all I have to say today about female serial killers. Um, it is a really interesting topic and I would like 
to continue looking into it. So if anyone has anything more they'd like to teach us about it, that'd be super cool. <laughs> yeah, or another female serial killer that we can research and then find more information about female serial killers to do another episode on. Yeah, I have a whole book of female serial killers. <laughs> I almost bought it. <laughs> yeah, I have it right here. I went and ran and got it. I was going to say, I recommend. It's called Woman Who Kill, A Chilling Casebook of True Life Murders by Al Camino. I don't know if this yeah. is the same one you have. But, like, Eileen check. Warnos is in it. Carla Homoka. Um, no one else that I have ever heard of. Um Oh, Rosemary West. She was her and her husband. But yeah, it's a lot of people that you would, you've never ever heard of, unlike male serial killers. But aren't or weren't uh, like Graham and Wood in either yours or Rebecca's? Isn't that where we got the topic from? Yeah, I can't find the book that I have at the moment, but I think it's different than the one Nicole has and Graham. Uh, sorry, Kathy and Gwen are the first case in the book. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah, they're yeah, not in this I, one. So. I'll put the book, uh, and maybe Nicole and Journey, I think you said you had one too. We'll all put our uh, books in the sources, so if you want to check them out, then there's a few reading materials for you. Yeah. I recommend them. They're like little short stories. It's not a full novel, which is nice. Yeah, like, the chapters aren't consecutive. It's a, it's a different case each chapter, which is pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for that. I knew about some differences, but it was interesting to hear the actual numbers between men and women. Our next topic is, since we all met in Nova Scotia, none of us were technically from Nova Scotia, but we have lived here for a bit. We've decided to do our next episode about various Nova Scotian stories. So we're going to talk about the Butterbox Babies, the Goaler Clan, and the Sydney River McDonald's murders. So they're kind of a uh, weird amalgamation of cases. They're not quite all the same at all, but it'll be like our little uh, unsolved mysteries that we did last year near halloween time and kind of like our cannibal episode too oh yeah i forgot we did that yeah like that one (laughs) that would make more sense yeah (laughs) um i do have a joke for you nice so why are there so few female serial killers why why because after completing the first one they just can't help but tell others (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Honestly, if I ever were to anything happen, if I were to kill someone, first thing I'd do, I'd probably message the chat and be like, guys, guess what? <laughs> guess yeah. what happened? Guess what? <laughs> I know we're really no bad way. at keeping secrets. <laughs> I am too. So just don't tell me secrets if you want them kept. <laughs> On that note, um, Journey, where can everyone find us? They can find us on Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook at What the Forensics. Our Twitter is WT Forensics PC. Our website is whattheforensics.ca, and you can look at all of our sources, some source images we have for the odd episode, uh, who we are, a little bit about us, and you can buy stickers off of it as well. And our email is whattheforensics at gmail.com if you just want to get in touch with us. 
I also recommend we are most active on Instagram and Facebook. Keep an eye out as well. We're thinking of doing a little bit of a giveaway. We've got a little mug and some stickers and stuff. Um, We just haven't figured out anything for it yet. So (laughs) keep your eye open for it. Um, Anyways, though, this has been another episode of What the Forensics. Thank you for waiting for this episode and being patient. The three of us hope you enjoyed it, and we will see you next time. Just a reminder to everyone that we are not professionals in the forensic science field. We are just students who are learning and want to share what we are learning with our listeners. We're trying to give you the most accurate information, but we are human and we can make mistakes. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you next week. Thank you.